Clara Boat. That's it. Clara Boat. Clara Boat with the eyebrows and the with mouth. With the big eyebrows, yeah. Um, <laughs> the eyebrows and the mouth and the face. Yeah. <laughs> Hello and welcome to this week's Grape Culture Podcast, the podcast where three women drink wine and discuss feminist literature and issues. I am Sam. I'm Kim. And I'm Alex. And we hope you enjoy the episode. On this week's show, we're going to be talking about the 1920s, particularly women in the 1920s, and flappers. Flap, 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 flap. And uh, we're doing jazz hands, but you can't see them because That's it's a why podcast. I said flap, 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 flap. <laughs> in my head, that could have been anything. Okay, fine. <laughs> so we're back in the roaring 20s because it's 2020, which is why we're talking about this this week. But before we get on to Josephine Baker, Zelda Fitzgerald, um, Bessie Smith, and all the rest of them, we've got some wine to talk about that Kim's very thoughtfully picked. I have, yes. But before we talk about wine, okay. <gasps> I got us some cocktails. Cocktails! Because the 1920s, there was a lot of talk about cocktails and we're going to be talking about prohibition and and bootlegging and and they are constantly going out for cocktails. I thought I would treat us. So I got my uh, fancy cocktail glasses out. So switch. Um, Where's my salty rim? uh, I prefer sugar rim. There. (laughs) She says, gesturing at your face. Yeah. Um, Gob. So... Oh, it, conveniently for me, M&S canned cocktails were three for five pounds today. <laughs> Lucky, yeah. So um, I have a choice for you, although Ooh. Sam, you don't really have a choice. Okay. Um, so because oh, two of them are gin. Because <laughs> for Sam, I got Kenmore whiskey and ginger. Yeah, boy. Ooh. Um, and then sounds good, good to me. I don't like whiskey. You have the choice between blackberry gin bramble, bramble juice, blackberry juice with two measures of extra dry gin mm. or cherry spritzer a lightly sparkling blend of cherry juice and spanish rosé wine i think i prefer the brown the black currant one thought you might say that is that okay yeah that's absolutely fine Are you happy yeah with before your rose? before i drank cherry. alcohol i drank cherry <laughs> that was like my thing great so oh is it gonna taste like panda pops thanks kim cheers <laughs> kim your face is so tastes like medicine i love it yeah that's exactly what it tastes like Tastes like slightly melted strepsils. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, does yours taste like soothers? You know, oh, possibly? yeah, mine tastes like soothers. Yeah. Cheers to slightly medicinal tasting cocktails. Cheers. Yay. So I will tell you about the uh, actual wine a little bit later on when I get to it. Yes. Um, but for the now, we have cocktails. We have, as I said before, Kenmore whiskey and ginger, ginger ale with two measures of Kenmore scotch whiskey. There's no tasting notes, it's whiskey and ginger. Uh, what is the percentage? Ginge. 8%. 5%? 8% is quite... Mm. Yeah, for a cocktail in a can, that's quite strong. Yeah, it is. But um, I was sent a list today, speaking of ginger, that was of swear words ranging from mild to extreme. And ginger was not even a mild one. It was like halfway up next to slut. You call someone a ginger, despite the fact they're ginger. That was apparently a swear. I suppose, in a way, it can be deemed as a racial slur. Alex has the blackberry gin bramble, blackberry juice with two measures of extra dry gin, and I have the cherry spritzer, which is cherry juice and rosé. Nice. All vegan, all available from M&S. Three for five pounds. Very good. Thanks, M&S. Thanks, Kim. So tonight we are recording in a different location because we are nothing if not a transient podcast at the moment, and we're recording in Kim's new flat. Woohoo! Which is very lovely and very exciting, but it is next to a railway line, so if you hear some suspicious rumbling, it's either my stomach or the trains. It's almost certainly the trains. They don't honk all that much though, they just, <laughs> they just make loud rumbly noises and then the whole house shakes, it's great fun. So we look forward to that. Yeah. Um, 
drink every time you hear a train. Drink along with the podcast. There yeah. You go. Oh, that's fun. So while we down our cocktails, um, yeah, interestingly, I know Kim, you said about everyone's going out of cocktails. Cocktails invented during Prohibition. Yes, no? Well, I don't know. There's some. There's, I don't think they were invented. Uh, I think they were popularised. and popularised. Mm. Because um, Prohibition, famously the banning of alcohol in America between 1920 and 1933, uh, it meant that people, when they were drinking, they had to disguise the fact they were drinking, so they gave their booze different names and mixed it with stuff. Ah. Mm. And gave the it different colours that weren't just like typical... Whiskey, brown or yeah. beer. Yeah. The only reason I'm pretty sure that they weren't technically invented is obviously because gin and tonic is a cocktail and yeah. um, cocktail hour from the sort of 1900s books and stuff that I've read was definitely a thing. Yeah. But I definitely think that, yeah, it's, it was It was an era in which it became much, much more... Much more available and yeah. it was something that you went out to do. Like, you didn't just have them in your club or in your dining room. You you went to, like, bars and stuff. It was an experience. Even more so. Because, like, speakeasies and things were very much, like, places to go and drink. Whereas yeah. before that, they didn't necessarily have bars in that same upper crusty way. No, it was way. more you could go and drink in restaurants and, and clubs, but not really. And pubs, and but they pubs. didn't have, like... Saloons! Yeah. Mm. So are we saying that binge drinking was invented when cocktails were? No. But uh, drinking as a wider social event with people who weren't your friends was. Definitely became, again, more popularised. Because I feel like for as long as there's been any alcohol, people have drunk it in groups. Exactly. Um, And I'm sure we'll talk in various ways about prohibition as we go along because it's kind of part and parcel with what we're talking about which is women in the 1920s and flappers uh so i have some notes so what do you guys know about flappers like if i say the word flapper to you what do you think of i know zilch um hair bando (laughs) yeah i think i think about outfit i think about the attire so the fashion so what what is that what does that look like I suppose uh, loose fitting dresses, um, corsets were a thing of the past. Everything was kind of like free and fancy. Um, tassels, feather boas, mm-hmm. hair bands, <laughs> feathers in the hair. Um, long smoky cigarette things. Yes. Corella Deville cigarette ho- With holders. long yeah. gloves, um, higher skirt lines um, and heels. Yes. What about hairstyles? Uh, permed into a shorter kind of... A Marcel wave. Yes. Mm. I'm doing the gesture, but no one can see. (laughs) The bob. Or the bob. The bob. The very angular bob. Um, It was very precise, wasn't it? Yes. Very clean lines. I think that's one of the things I really like about it. Which goes with the art deco of the time. Yeah, Mm. and also it was, in a way, it was a reaction against, so um, I think we talked about this a little bit in the Glamour episode um, and the women in fashion. Um... It was like a reaction against you had the up to the 1900s with the big, you know, fuck off crinolines and stuff. And then you had the crinolines slightly... said fuck off on the back. Yep. Yeah. Like yeah. yeah. Heavy yeah. load. Fuck like off. a juicy couture tracksuit, but... <laughs> <coughs> Sexy across your bum. Just oh, a God, fuck off. <laughs> Promiscuous. <laughs> Libidinous. Wanton. Wanton. It was a reaction against like the, the voluminous sort of um skirts and, and layers and stuff of victorian era t- yeah and then you had um the war which just kind of fucked everything up and then everyone was like i want to break free yep 
like Alex said, fun and fancy free or whatever it was. Something like that. Yeah, let's go with that. Why not? Yeah. So yeah, it was definitely a reaction against the exaggerated femininity of a woman's body, talking about hips and boobs and that kind of thing, and the skinny Mm, waist. Whereas this was very much more angular, very androgynous. But also Um, like a lot sexier. I suppose. Well, a lot more flesh. Yeah, in on it, show. Yeah, than had previously been in existence. A lot more racy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe not sexy. Um, you know, dresses. God forbid, above the knee. <gasps> that kind of thing. How very dare you? This is a Christian household. The fashion is the iconic thing you think of when you think of the flapper girl. Um, do you know anything about where the word came from? The etymology of the word flapper, or why <laughs> quote flappers happened? That's my new hashtag. Flappers happen. You know what? I feel like I learnt this, and as soon as you tell me what it is, I'm gonna be like, "Yeah, of course, it's fucking that." Because I do, I do remember looking it up. Okay. And I actually think that you and I had a discussion about it in a pub. Seems likely. Seems because we're twats. Um. Yeah, we are. We are those guys. I did not have that conversation, so you can't sit with us. So, well, it's kind of it's one of those things that's come from. There are a lot of different sources that it has been used in um so that like as far back as i think 16th and 17th century flapper was used to refer to a prostitute um but then it became uh to do Sex with life. just yeah sorry whenever we talk about the olden times i use the word prostitute because that seems the word to use even though it's not correct do you know what i mean i know i do yeah. know what you mean yeah. i just thought but that no, I, no, and i i know that you meant that I just thought I'd okay. Sorry, acknowledge that. As long as you don't say prosy, I think we're all right. <laughs> a call, girl. Um, first, first, thirties uh, voice of the evening. Um, <laughs> drink every time Sam does her thirties voice. Drink every time I talk like I'm a detective in a nineteen thirties film. It's my favorite thing. <laughs> so yeah, so it was used then, and then kind of in the early twentieth uh, century, it was used in various other, um texts and basically just meant a young girl and then it started being used in a more derogatory way um that dorothy parker i think used it to denounce the kind of spate of young women who um started wearing this provocative gear like we've talked about it's quote provocative um and i had a kind of different approach to a lifestyle and it sort of it's one of those words that's taken on various different it didn't just appear it Mm. has taken on various different meanings but it's kind of synonymous with yep Fringed dresses, fringed dresses, fringe dresses, fringe, fringe dresses, honey. Uh, feather boas, long, smoky cigar, sticky things, um, pearls, pearls, jazz, young girls, bobs. But it's also to, like associated with like sexual promiscuity. Yeah. Jazz and, is definitely one of the things. Yes, sorry, um, <coughs> and like loose morals and that loose kind of morals thing. And, and adventurism. Freedom. Like being adventurous, like being outlandish. Why do we think that this kind of woman, this free, drinking, smoking, shagging, provocatively dressed woman, came about in the nineteen twenties? Why? Why was this the time that people went? This is what is going to be a deliberate look. Is going to be a deliberate fashion. Is going to be a deliberate attitude. Well, I think we touched on it like a minute ago with you know, the reaction against the austerity of war and everything. Mm. Um, and also the fact is that obviously during the First World War, um, there was two or three things happened at once. There was um, communication lines and everything became more global. 
Mm-hmm. So that kind of celebrity status became a thing. And yep. like first um, Instagram famously started in 1919. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then, you know, there was a lot more sort of communication of fashions and stuff a lot quicker. Everything was happening a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had a, the, the workforce that had been previously women, or at least women were given a modicum of independence unlike what they'd known previously and of and ditto the rise of um feminism and everything at that time meant that you suddenly had a, a generation of women who either had seen women do something before them and thought why can't i do that or why can't i have that same level of independence or heard or heard through the nature of the global sort of communications network about um women doing that and you know famously being independent in one way or another and then being reacting against being sort of tried to be muscled back into the kitchen as it were yeah mm. women um, had lived without men for four years plus and they were yeah. ready weren't to take their to... place within society yeah, yeah. It wasn't dictated by and then them. exactly and then you've got yeah. and then you've got the the reaction the to the austerity of war you know they they finally had luxuries again they finally mm-hmm. had all the stuff that they hadn't been able to get because trade lines were open again mm-hmm. Um, and so it was kind of that sort of live while we're young, have all the luxuries that you can. Yeah. And I think a, a sort of a final factor that's particularly relevant um, as regards to some of the books that and, and texts that we're probably going to talk about and touch on and that we use as source material, um, particularly around the Fitzgeralds, um, uh, Zelda and Scott Fitzgerald, is that there was a a literary boom a literary mm-hmm. golden age so i think like you had this sensationalized glitterati set yeah and then you know yeah it, th- there were both men and women in that set and that's yeah. kind of why like the women who were in that set who were maybe pushing those boundaries became more and more famous and so the general trend became more and more famous because they were the celebrities of the yeah. day because there was no tv <laughs> there was Some, no TV summed up no Netflix <laughs> Alex did you have any thoughts uh, I spoke very similar to Kim actually I think it was you know how <clears throat> we kind of touched on it weirdly in like the Handmaid's Tale uh, episode and it's kind of about um, obviously women had only known one thing for a really long time which was to be like change the kitchen and you know be, hmm. be the bearer of children and, and that's kind of it that's all they had known for a really long time and yeah. like Kim said hit the nail on the head war came along they were able to be independent mainly because there was no men around they had to do all the kind of typical jobs that men usually took as well and then the fact that they were then expected to go back to their mm. typical female role obviously is not going to happen because yeah. they've known life is more than that. Yeah. And so they're going to fight against it. And I think that's why there was the rise of the flapper. Um, and yeah, to kind of go back to why I linked it to A Handmaid's Tale is obviously because those women would never be completely put put in their place yeah. because, because of what they they've known, known freedom and being yeah. themselves. Yeah. There's a couple of other things as well that led to the the rise of the flapper. Um, so yes, war, hugely, hugely influential, uh, as you both said. Um, another thing was women getting the vote. So mm. the in America particularly... Feminism! Hashtag suffrage. Well, I did say. Yes, but... The, but now I I'm had, emphasizing it. But I had more to but say. It's for women! Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> I was just excited. Sister, Sister suffragettes! <laughs> but yeah, so the... 
we, we're talking particularly about America today um, and flappers in the US just because it's kind of no I don't know why there's more historical um, yeah it was more it felt like there's more historical and literary sources around American flapperism 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 was alive in Britain yeah it it, it was it was also alive in Paris and France and like it was not just yeah if Um, flapperism is not a word it is now it should be it is now but yeah so the vote was uh, for women in America was ratified uh, at around the same time as prohibition was and the reason for that is that women's suffrage and the fight for prohibition were very very closely linked mm-hmm. um and so you had a lot of women from the women's christian temperance union and other um organizations fighting for prohibition for like 60 years ish uh and then blokes who were trying to get um prohibition through who wanted a dry country were like oh if we if we work with the women then we can actually get this passed and at the time so the 18th amendment uh, sorry 18th amendment to the constitution was the banning of alcohol sale consumption whatever manufacture the 19th amendment was giving women the vote and they thought that banning alcohol would be easier to get past the public than giving women the vote (laughs) so that's where that came first (laughs) that's <laughs> yeah so um on the one hand you've got this like it's a weird i find it really interesting because you've got loads and loads of women campaigning for against like the the demon of drink and what it does to households and it tears family apart and men go and drink it and spend all the money that sh- they should be spending on their children and the household and blah 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 which is why they were trying to get it banned and then you get to the 20s it gets banned and you get this new wave of women who are like no fuck it i'm gonna fucking smoke and drink like a bloke yeah which is I just find really fun. Yeah, I definitely yeah. It's it's really interesting because it's the it's the unheard voice, isn't it? It's the um, it's the voice of the not married people because, yeah. and I think that there's there's a precedent for that with voices. You've got um, you've got the you know the the good honest woman gets her voice heard first. Like if she conforms to male like male, standards, if she's an honourable. Yeah, if she conforms to male standards and does everything that they want her to do, but like wants to have a little say, yeah, then she gets her voice heard first because she's married and she's honourable and she's respectful and she can publish her cookbook, sweetheart. And then you get, then you get the angry young women, mm-hmm. which I think is categorised by the flappers, and then you finally make way for fucking all the other women who are marginalised because yeah, they're not white is mostly the answer to that. On that point as well, another thing that made the flapper movement so, like, made it boom so much is during the war, um, and the, like, and Prohibition itself as well, there was kind of those really strict social laws that had been in place that defined class, um, race, Mm. um, again, yeah, like, sexual uh, Mm. morals, that kind of thing. They kind of broke down a bit because people were brought... Like, during the war, people were brought together because everything was, like... Everything was a fucking mess and everyone just had to pitch in. And so those strict laws... Or not... The laws were still there, but the boundaries weren't. And it almost didn't matter. Like, people were dying and the world was shit. And It was that weird weird in-between place, though, because it was one generation removed from slavery and the Civil War. exactly. Not... Yeah, the Civil War. And there was also what followed... The end of the First World War was the Spanish flu, and the Spanish mm. flu killed millions. And this is particularly poignant considering we're in the middle of the coronavirus outbreak. Great. But like, killed loads of people, was a massive epidemic, and basically 
what you had at the end of all that after a war and a big old fucking basically plague mm. was people just being like you know what sod it who cares, who cares? that I'm not like... meant to be drinking with this man who is not yeah. of my race um, nor am I married to yeah. him like just fuck it just go for it there's also um, I don't know if either of you have ever read Passing by Nella, Lawson, Nella Larson New. Um, which is set sort of similar time period I think slightly later um, but it, it kind of addresses uh, women in uh, black women in this time and the, mm. the choices that were available to them and it's about a woman who passes as white and it's that generation where that um, had again like one or two generations removed from slavery and everything mm. like that that was more and more common so the lines were getting more and more blurred because it was quote unquote harder and harder to, t- to tell wow yeah oh i you know wow. i don't i don't mean that from me i mean no. like this is literature no. that i have read like it's harder to tell all this talk of prohibition is the perfect time for me to introduce our first one of the night. <laughs> fabulous i don't know so, why it went like a monkey because i was so excited give it so the first wine um this is the wine that sam and i will be drinking because unfortunately it's not vegan none for you okay. none for gretchen wieners this is the prohibition pinot gris by the Speakeasy Club, which is an Australian Pinot Gris. Oh, well, I see why you've gone for it. I know, right? <laughs> it's it's um, like there's a link. <laughs> it's almost like I thought about it. Almost. 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 Uh, so, the description on the back reads, Welcome to the Speakeasy Club. Our club's the bee's knees. We've got the flappers, the flyboys, and some damned fine dames. This nifty Pinot Gris from Victoria and South Australia is the cat's meow. It has a light pink blush colour, cleverly created by leaving the grape skins on a little longer. Adds a special something to your glass. This is a complex, textural and slightly savoury Pinot Gris with the aromas of pears, lychees and exotic spice. The sauce of our wine is as secret as the password <laughs> to enter our speakeasy club. No, then I just go weird. Then I just go like radio DJ. You've got to do it. Okay, I'll do it in a minute. Um, and we ain't telling no matter what. All you need to know is this wine has been made in one of our South Australian finest wineries by a multi-award winning winemaker. You deserve only the best. As we say in the speakeasy club, a little party never killed nobody. It sounds good. I like. I co- admire their commitment to the branding. It's very good. Very well done. Picture? It is as of a saucy lady through a keyhole. Oh, saucy lady. Saucy lady. Wine of Victoria, Australia, 2016. For Alex, <laughs> we have... a gold shiny bottle. <laughs> we have the Conte Priuli Oro Prosecco Brut. Rita Oro, yeah. Um, something, something. Milsmato, 2019. Those were words. Okay. Um, Milismato. So this is from M&S, because M&S... Is right by my house now, so good luck with that. Style is sparkling, crisp, and elegant. Taste is white peach, citrus, and apple. And the food to pair with is a chilled aperitif or canapes. So it's it's party wine, is what we're saying. I love yeah. it. Um, Served well, chilled, consume well, young and fresh. I, I so says on my don't Tinder feel n- neither young or fresh. So, <laughs> well, the reason we chose this one is it was suggested um, by a friend of the podcast. Uh, and also it has a really cool kind of art deco label and it's bright gold and it's just very glam and cool. And yeah. yeah. It's fancy. When I think of the 20s, fancy. I think glitz and grime and that's definitely the glitz side. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm slightly jealous that you get fancy gold, but well, this is also, gonna... look. this looks really good as well. So and you can try I'm not jealous. I'm just, I'd like both. <laughs> You don't like get both. Six percent happy and forty percent jealous. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Right. So, cheers. 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 cheers.
Nice, eh? Nice, eh? Oh, I don't know. What is... <laughs> it does taste like a speakeasy. <laughs> what? From all those speakeasies that you spent time in. All the time that I spend in speakeasies. I mean, what I mean is, like, it does give me a sense of, like, I'm underground somewhere. Mm-hmm. In a slightly, like, smoky bar or something that's a little bit, like, some guy just pulled this out of his, like, secret stash or something. I don't know. It just, it's giving me feels. I'm trying to do an okay. Alex. I'm You're trying, trying to do... <laughs> yeah. Alex is... I'll be honest. Alex has been better at painting the pictures. Alex is... <laughs> <laughs> Alex is more articulate with her weird fantasies about Yeah. <laughs> this, I, it's, hmm. I don't know if it tastes underground club, but that's because I probably wouldn't associate wine with that. That would be like a, like cocktail or spirit kind of thing. This is more like. Smoky whiskey. It doesn't, it doesn't taste like wine is supposed to taste. Oh God, I'm really sad. I can't try it. Like, I'm intrigued. It's, it's got an interesting mouthfeel. You've got an interesting mouthfeel. It's true. I was, okay. It's like it's got a little bit. It's a bit smoky. It is mm. a bit smoky. Yeah, it definitely. Yeah. It's definitely giving me. I've gone down some. St- in fact, you know, I have been to a speakeasy. So fuck you. Um, I never said you hadn't been. You just don't hang out in them very often. I went to a weird speakeasy in London that served like hipster tapas casually. Can you tell me what a speakeasy is, please? A speakeasy uh, was born out of the prohibition. Um, the theory is that it was called a speakeasy because you had to speak quietly so that the prohibition agents didn't hear you and come and arrest you. And it was basically an illegal place to go and drink. Fine. That's what I thought usually, it was. I'm glad that my assumption was Usually right. there was a facade of like a, a respectable establishment yeah, and then there like, was like right. a secret. There'd be like a hidden wall or you'd have to give a password oh, or something. I'd like to go to the- I think that's a, like, it, it definitely feels like I've gone down some steps into a smoky bar and ordered a glass of wine. This is pre-smoking ban wine. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, we like basically 12. the same thing. This is fruity and dry. I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna take a sip and then I'm gonna give you a scenario. It was around seven p.m. <laughs> <laughs> and um. Oh look, said Dad. The kingdom was his forever. <laughs> and the day had been a long one and a tiresome one. And I finally sat down by a log fire. And someone served me some very nicely seasoned chip, fat chip. <laughs> I thought it was going to be like three chips. No, like some nice fat chips that almost could be roast potatoes. <laughs> and I'm like, do you know what? Fuck it. It's been a really long, tiresome day. I'm going to have me some fizz. <laughs> and then <laughs> someone goes, that girl needs a treat. <laughs> So they bring over this fancy gold bottle and I go, ooh, how much? That looks pricey. And then they surprise me that maybe it's only £12. And I drink the whole thing and I feel so much happier. I'm going to be honest. Of all your scenarios, that was the least relatable. Um, (laughs) Zelda Fitzgerald. F. Scott Fitzgerald's wife. But also a woman in her own right. Um, what? Right, exactly. Who knew? No, we don't talk about that shit. No, we don't talk about that. Um, But she was... Famously, a big part of the New York jazz scene, which was very uh, influential when it came to the the kind of, I'm going to say flapper movement, just because I can't think of another way to say it, but it's not (laughs) a movement. Um, We all have read or watched stories of her life. Um, Yes. 
That Dis- is a truth fact. Discuss. <laughs> <laughs> great, great questions there. Sorry, no, fuck off. All right, no, no, I'm sorry, no, no, I'm no, sorry. No, I'm not asking the questions. So no, no, I'm no, 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 I think I think discuss is exactly the right yeah. thing because, because I don't have a specific question. I'm just like she's right, an example. She's an example it. of a flapper. Yeah. How do we think her life reflected that? And how? Why do we think she was so? Influential. Famous and influential, yeah. yeah. Because there were lots of other famous yeah. flappers. Mm-hmm. But she's kind of particularly flappy. <laughs> um, I'll start because I don't have a lot to say. Okay. Um, and you have Prosecco to drink. And a whole I have, bottle. Exactly. I'm busy yeah. with potatoes and fancy bottles. Um, Zelda Fitzgerald. <laughs> I'm going to really, be really short because yeah. I... Because you are. Hey! <laughs> I'm average height. I'm more than average height for a woman. I was thinking it, but... I'm five foot five. I know you are. I know. It just... The joke was there and I had to say So I will say very little. Um, Not because I'm little. Um, I didn't know about her at all. Hmm. I didn't know anything about her until you recommended watching that series, that Um, Z series on Prime. Of which I watched three episodes and then read up on her life, which was a really interesting life. And I didn't realise she was so kind of pinnacle in that movement. Mm. Um, So no, I don't really know anything about her. I find it crazy that she was predominantly, from what I gathered, the mind behind her husband's novels. Yeah. Um, And what a crazy life she did lead. So the series you watched was uh, Z, The Beginning of Everything. Yeah. Um, on Amazon with Christina Ricci. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who, obviously, again, I didn't know anything about her, so I don't know if she's a good, like, depiction of, plays a good depiction of her, but I thought she was really good in it. Yeah. From the episodes I saw. Kim, you've read her book, haven't you? Yeah. So I read um, Save Me the Walt- Waltz a couple of years ago, actually. And I re- I enjoyed it. I, I didn't love it, but I mostly didn't love it because I was reading it in a hurry because it was overdue at the library. So I read I read Saving the Waltz and I'm about halfway through um, the book on which the TV show that Alex just mentioned mm. is um, based, that Sam lent me, which is um, Z or Z, a novel of Zelda Fitzgerald by Teresa Ann Fowler. Um, and when I started reading Z, as I will call it, for reasons... <laughs> Because she's American. And yeah, she's American. I, I realised I said Z earlier. Yeah. yeah. Um, when I started reading it, I was not excited because I was basically like, this is like reading Save Me the Waltz because Save Me the Waltz is very autobiographical um, and is really interesting and weird and a bit like a fever dream. Um, <laughs> like, from what I remember of it. But... The, um, and I think so far I'm definitely preferring Save Me the Waltz to Z because I feel like Save Me the Waltz has a lot more agency for Zelda mm. than the than Z does. But I again because I've not finished Z, I can't comment on that. Also, I watched and loved, even though, and I feel bad about it because Woody Allen is a shithole. But um, Midnight in Paris, and I thought that the woman who plays Zelda in that is incredible because she makes an appearance and also Tom Hiddleston plays F. Scott Fitzgerald who A, it was the first time that I'd really seen him in anything B, he was perfect and really charming and it like it just and it it very much glamorises that whole 
the Jazz Age. Yeah, that whole era. Even though there's supposed to be like a comment about it and blah, blah, blah. But they, it really does anyway. Because um, it's supposed to be all a comment about like, don't don't have nostalgia and glamorise the past in an hour and 20 minutes of glamorising the past. Um, just a little judgement. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, you? So, I know. So I had a lot of fascination with Zelda. I think... Like Sam, that you're the undisputed expert in this scenario, but I, I definitely found her really interesting. I just think that, like, I, I think it's interesting because in the two, three different things that I've read and experienced, you have her as a muse, her as a, as a writer and creator in her own right, and her as a, um, almost like an albatross around. Yeah, yeah. Because I think like those are the three ways that she's portrayed is she's the insane wife. Yeah. Who is the crazy bitch. Like yeah. taking him away from his art. Um, which I think is, is most yeah. in Midnight in Paris. And then you have how she's presented so far in Z, where she's very much the muse. And then I feel like in Saving the Waltz she has a lot more of her own because it's her story and mm. and and um and it's her story written by her, even if it's it's faked, but like it's written by her. Um that it just felt a lot more and it's a little bit wish fulfillment-y as well. Yeah. So it's kind of like how she saw herself or the potential that she had. Which I think is very interesting. Yeah. Um and I think she's fascinating. I think the reason that she's such an icon, unfortunately, is because of him. She was married to an, another icon. Like yeah. I don't think that they were. I think they were one of the first, like, quote, power couples. Yes, exactly. And I there don't royalty. think, and I don't think that they would have existed separate from each other. There was something I when I so I only watched three episodes of uh, Z, um, and then I did read up on Wikipedia um, about her a little bit because I literally knew nothing. And I think someone quoted saying that. They um the the reason they kind of found something in each other was this romantic notion of um like ego and self like thinking they were better than everyone else essentially yeah, um, yeah it's that's that but in a romanticized kind of way like they had a purpose in life like and they what were is it yeah it's that cause... prototype like Instagram falling in love for the first time ever. Gigi Hadid and Zane or like Selena Gomez and Justin Bieber like we are the only people that have ever ever been in love and we're the only people but not just that they were in love it was just that they both thought they were destined for bigger better things and they both recognised that in each other and so therefore like you know blew each other's ego up even more and then from that they became a power couple it was it's interesting because they were very much that um that kind of small town, the big the big fish in a small pond thing, mm. and then they both they moved to New York, and actually they're not there very long. For mm. all that they are synonymous with jazz age New York, mm. they were there for two and a half years ish, mm. and then they fucked off to Paris. Gosh. Um, and how long were they in Paris? Uh, quite a lot longer, and then they separated and lived separately for for a long time. Um, grew up in the French Court. Grew up in the French Court. We we bonjour. But um, they. I think it's interesting because they they had like you say Alex that ego that thing and this conviction that they were going to be the the shit basically mm. and then they were the shit but only after a lot of fucking graft on F Scott Fitzgerald's part, mm. um, which he too 
whatever extent you want to believe ripped off from Zelda. Mm. Um, and actually, if like when the age of celebrity was just kind of dawning, they happened to be there. If they were there at a different point in time, would they be as famous? Probably not. Yeah, I think they'd be famous it. now. Do you reckon? Yeah. Yeah. Because I think they're yeah. twattish enough to be famous now. Like <laughs> they are a bit twatty. They, they are a bit twattish. Yeah. Like, for all that yeah. I love though, like I love the, I love the glamour of it, and I love Gatsby, and I love you know I love the idea but, of it. Yeah, they are a bit knobby. Right? Would you want to be at a party with them? Really? They'd be the like. Oh no, yeah. I'd want to be at a party with them. Maybe, I don't think I would. I don't think I'd, I'd be the, with them I'd, all I think the time. I'd want them to turn up to the party late when I was wankered, and then I'd be like, "These guys are so fun." If I, I was there like, and they were sober, I'd be like, "I fucking hate you." Yeah, I think I'd like true. to be at one party with them, and then every other party that I ever went to, I'd be like, "I really hope they don't show up." <laughs> I'm exhausted already. They're not even here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It depends on the like mood. you're like yeah. when you're throwing a party, you're like, "Oh, I like." I better put waterproofing over the couch just in case that Zelda and Scott show up. Like that's what, a, that is, on it? no, but, uh, but genuinely, yeah. you're like, what won't they fucking do? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. And everyone had those kind of like friends loosely, or knew of those people that came to parties and stuff. There, like that there, we there had to be center of attention. Yeah, and that, that is that is the thing with both of them. Look at May. Look at um, May. Look at May. I read a book. I admire May. Um, but they. Like the one of the things that you know the, the ways that the era was described and kind of the various movements like the, the art in that time, society, um, entertainment generally. Uh, like Kim, you were saying earlier about the widespread, um, like how things are much more easily communicated. Message. Yeah. Hollywood mm. grew in just the 20s. beginning. Yeah. yeah. Um. They were that it was all about ego and it was all about growth and it was all about look i'm here i'm alive fuck you mm. and that was kind of why i think they embodied it so much and people associate it with them so or them with it was mm. because they were just completely unapologetic and like you know yeah, what fuck you cool. i'm gonna get drunk i'm gonna do this i'm gonna write this fantastic book and then not write for another 50 it wasn't 50 mm. years but you know what i mean and yeah it was everything everyone was trying to do and achieve in that time oh, well yeah. like in, in terms of the like breaking out of their shell and yeah i was i was listening to podcasts the other day it was the cracked podcast and um they said something that they were talking about uh early hollywood and like the big stars of the day and they were like it's because they were only a couple of years Oh, removed from the greatest movie star of all time being Train. Train heads towards screen, like, because obviously right. the first moving picture was a train. Right, okay. And I was like, I was thinking about that. Yeah. And then I, I was sat here listening to your talk and I was like, I'm sure Sam said that. <laughs> I was like, no, it was this Because Train. But I think uh. that that, I think it's relevant. Like, there were these huge jumps in innovation, but they were relatively weirdly mundane in many mm. ways because the first moving picture was, you know, a train. And then all of a sudden you've got these impossibly glamorous women that you've never been able to expose yourself to. The, the people who aren't royalty who are famous. Yeah. Because yeah. up until 1900s, you know, the, the famous people were royalty. Or, or The people that you'd heard about, yeah, were the yeah. people that ran your country. Yeah. So all of a sudden you have people who are famous for being famous or for being married to someone who did a thing. Which is what Zelda essentially was. Yeah, celebrity yeah. culture was born. It was born in a real, yeah. real I mean, way. Yeah, in the 20s you've got 
your first tabloid murders you've got your first um yeah your first stars of the screen your first um kind of glamour girls and novels although no- the novel's been around for hundreds of years it's like it becomes a lot more easily accessible and a lot more lauded and that kind of thing so writers become more appreciated and mm-hmm. playwrights and like um Ezra Pound and all those kind of ones that were born in that era T.S. Eliot all these 20s massive Names. people the yeah. um postmodernism movement um and there's just this explosion of celebrity and culture and entertainment that that is born out of the 20s and i think that's why we are so interested in it still because it was basically the birth the of society of, well yeah. the birth of our society really yeah. oh. it's the first of it's the first example that we have of people being obsessed about someone that could be us yeah when she's she's just from some town in the middle of buttfuck nowhere whatever it's called you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> but also that like she them women are free to pursue that lifestyle yeah, as well absolutely because you know like and there's no actually, yeah there's no limit on gender yeah and that's well, what how, that's but yeah. there's no limit on who you want to be and if you yeah. do want to be that person that's loud and brash and goes out and drinks and smokes and fucks and does all that it's like it's could celebrated be that. as well as it's not just you can do it it's celebrated yeah well yes yes just just just, but there were caveats. there weren't the flappers rest- of color. No, true, 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 true. Um, but we're not talking about them, interestingly no. enough. No, we're not. But then that's because we've all read and watched a thing about Zelda Fitzgerald. Yeah, so that's true. the only reason. Uh, Sam, how are you finding the uh, speakeasy Pinot Gris? Meaty prohibition Pinot Gris. Meaty. Is it? It's it tastes like bacon. Ooh. I don't. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I like bacon. Not in but I'm getting. Form. I'm getting bacon. Or sausage rolls, or some sort of pork. Pork. Maybe it's got pork <laughs> fried. In it. Fried. Yeah, I, I, I like it. No, I get what you mean. But it's got. It's a... definitely like a chunky one. It's chunky. It's chunky. It's chunky. For a white. For a white. Really weird. Yeah. It's, it's not like any white because it's fucking half pink. But it's it's not like any white I've had before. It's not like any white or rosy that we've had before. No. So I'm enjoying it from a new experience's point of view. I don't know if I'd be like, you know what, I'm going to have that again. It's innovative. It's groundbreaking. No, it's not groundbreaking. But yeah, innovative. Different. Um, and very like flappers. Jazzy. And on that note, we're going <laughs> to take a break. So we're back from our break. Uh, we're still drinking, actually, the wine that we had me yeah, I mean, you are. I'm nearly done. Okay, sorry, I mean, I'll speed actually, up. you are nursing that, guys. Down like, it, I've already had two up. glasses of my fancy. Alex, do you remember when I said it tastes like bacon? You don't down bacon. So while I finish this off and Kim shouts at me, <laughs> let's talk about other flappers. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about Zelda Fitzgerald, um, and also by way of that, F. Scott Fitzgerald, who wrote famously The Great Gatsby, which was probably his most celebrated work. Not his only work, but um, probably... The only one anyone cares about. The only one that that appears on any top hundred literature of the last hundred years. Quick question, though. Did you study Gatsby at school? No, No, I only read Gatsby about five years ago. Yeah, right, same. Because I read it in 2011. Is it on the school syllabus? My sister studied it for A-level. The copy uh, that I read was my sister's. And she's eight years older than me, so I don't know. My sister's two years older. That would have been more interesting yeah. than... I think I did Frankenstein or something. Oh, I did 
fucking King Lear and Ugh. oh Lord of the Flies. Anyone else from that era that you can name that is uh, that would I say identify as a flapper? I think flapper is quite is used in the same way that we refer to hipsters. Mm. It's it's one of those kind of um, uh, you've got your you've got your Lena Dunham and your Zoe Deschanel and then you've got everyone else. Yeah, yeah, it's that kind of thing. But is there anyone that you could think of that fits that category? Josephine Baker? Oh, yeah, I, was just I would have picked Josephine Baker. Jo- Josephine Baker. She's literally the only, I know nothing else about her. Oh, train, drink. Um, Josephine Baker, dancer, performer, uh, ballet, no, no. Se- sex worker. Inspiration. Was she a sex worker? Yeah, she was. Oh, okay. um, but she... mainly, mainly, I don't through, think through choice. Oh, okay. Um, that actress. Tallulah Bankhead. The other one. Joan Crawford. The other May one. West. Texas that Crime. May West is yeah. who I was thinking of. Was she yeah. from the 20... Was she flapper? She, so, um, so May West was not a flapper as such uh, in the way that we've described them. Um, mm. She was... There was a, almost like this sub, sub-genre of flapper um, that were these sexually liberated, entertaining women. May West was one. Texas Guinan, who run who ran a series of nightclubs in New York, was another, and they're like this very kind of bolshy, brassy hostess uh, actress mm. um, side, more kind of like not maternal is not the word, but like matriarch, mm. I guess. Um, slightly older. Um, that's where I see May West fitting, even yeah. in the twenties. She wasn't, and she dated a lot of a lot of gangsters and. Right. And that yeah. woman, yeah. that the, there was the other actress, that book that I got you. Oh, his name I forget. Clara Bow. Clara Bow. That's it. Clara Bow. Clara Bow with the eyebrows, and the with mouth. the big eyebrows. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the eyebrows and the mouth and the face. Yeah. <laughs> and the hair and you know that person. Yeah. So Clara Bow was another one who's a famed flapper slash actress. I feel like it's like the model slash actress category in yeah. uh, Zoolander. Lifestyle mm-hmm. influencer. Influencer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Others. Anyone else? Like Coco Chanel was another one. Mm-hmm. Um, started out there. Chanel. You know, famed Nazi sympathizer, um, Bessie Smith, who was um, African American uh, performer. Yes, in yeah. our Bad Girls book, she has a oh. really, really good song that I love called "Nobody Knows You When You're Down and Out," and it's basically about how, like, when you're alone, all your friends abandon you, which sounds really sad, oh. but it's. A, I just really like the song. Really good. Enjoy her. Um, anyone else? Uh, Joan Crawford, Josephine Baker, Tallulah Bankhead, Clara Bow, um, Zelda Sam, Fitzgerald. Sam is. Um, this is Sam's jam. Yeah, this is, is jam. this is Sam's jam. Uh, this is like also... me with the Oscar gossip. I mean, yeah. This is like me and just like portraying an image of where I would drink wine. <laughs> <laughs> there are many Broadway style ingenues who could have been deemed flappers and society girls and Marlene Dietrich another one society um, girls is a good way actually. society girls yeah. is a good way of putting it yeah Alex is still working her way through super snazzy gold bottle of Prosecco oh, I'm enjoying my gold bottle good I'm glad um Sam and I have another wine from the speakeasy uh wine club that's you, what they call you did themselves. not speak easy then Uh, turns out speakeasy wines make it hard to speak easy Um, this is a red this is the Blind Tiger Cabernet Sauvignon off of 2014 oh a cab not like a cab breath or whatever an alternative Um, so I'm going to pass this over to Sam to read (gasps) in her 1930s voice 
I'm excited. I don't know. It's quite long. I don't know. I don't know how much I can do in this voice. Okay. Welcome to the speakeasy. Okay, I'm going to do it again. It's because you keep on going like this to move my stuff. I'm sorry. It's because you keep covering your face when you're talking. Okay. Welcome to the Speakeasy Club. The Speakeasy of the Roaring Twenties was a place of whispered passwords and secret handshakes to get you into the underground world of illegal drinking dens where liquor, music, and dancing run in the face of prohibition. This is not really working very well. Prohibition! We're keeping that rule-breaking spirit alive by bringing you some of the best-kept secrets from artisans, mixologists, and winemakers the world over. Whisper it through... Whisper it, though, because when they're gone, they're gone. The Cabernet Sauvignon from Mark Shaw's Cellars in Currency Creek, Adelaide, is a ripper of a wine. Full of rich... Ripper ripper of a wine. That's a great line. (laughs) Full of rich, fruity, vibrant characters, it exudes complexity with delicious hints of blackberry, dark cherry, and plum. Delicate aging in French oak adds elegant caramel... Caramel? Caramel. And spicy vanilla flavours. A perfect partner for spicy pasta dishes, grilled steak, roast lamb, and cheese. As we say in the Speakeasy Club, a little party never killed nobody. Loved it. Great. <laughs> it was awful, but you're yeah, right. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. It was a long... Say that, sweetheart. Pour the wine. So, um, for those of you who can't speak Speakeasy, uh, that was full of rich, fruity, vibrant characters. It exudes complexity with delicious hints of blackberry, dark cherry, and plum. Plum. Delicate plum. aging in French oak adds elegant caramel and spicy vanilla flavours. It sounds like a spicy word. It sounds like a Shiraz. It sounds like a big <coughs> Even though it's a cat sound, it sounds like a Shiraz. Well, enjoy. Yeah. Give me this fatto. I hope he's as chunky as the white. We have not rinsed the glasses because we're trash. I mean, it's quite... We don't, it's quite red. It's very dark. Very dark. But it's a cab sap, though. Is that usually oh. typically dark? Cab are quite dark. God, you can't yeah, even I see through it. Cab saps is quite pale. It, but it, like, look how... You can't even... I, compared to, like, a Shiraz. Mm, I guess it just depends, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, that is, like, almost black. Ooh, it smells great. It smells... Okay, I'm, I'm excited. Enjoy. For the record, it's not vegan. Um, so I'm drinking my fancy girl. So Alex continues to drink a fancy girl, but I couldn't turn up Ooh. the I couldn't turn up the opportunity of Oh yeah, no, definitely. Oh I like it. Is it nice? It's round on the palate. Okay, I don't think I want it. Anymore. Oh shit. Do you like do you really like it? It's a good red. You mm. both look really happy. You can all leave now. I mean Isn't to it? be on to be honest, because I don't really like reds, I'm not that sad. If this was a white that you were both doing this, I would be pissed. If it was a white that we were both doing it, hell would have frozen over. So so as a fat red, I don't really get how this compares to the topic. Except that it's luxurious. It's vibrant. This is not party wine. This is like, you know what? This is like after hours. Everything's winding down. You're sat round, like quiet music in the background you're just having a chat is I that wine can see Hemingway writing a book drinking this wine no because it's not rum is it and Hemingway's a cunt but if he had no other option he'd drink he'd drink fucking bleach if it, he thought he'd he's with Bell and I <laughs> I've never seen it lighter fluid you unimaginable cunt <laughs> and oh Monty you, you are un- terrible cunt <laughs> yeah exactly what's uh, happening Hemingway's a twat is what's happening so other than flappers, are there any um, eras, pockets of cultural phenomena associated with women that you can think of that are 
revered or um, influential. Influential, yeah, exactly, in the same kind of way. Pinup girls, okay, very Which, similar so aesthetics. Interestingly, war and post-war. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Same thing. Yeah, that's my my go-to because that's my go-to. Like, <laughs> your thing is fifties. I I like a rockabilly. I like a pinup girl. I like oh yeah, a, yeah. I like a. Yeah, but they're very similar styles. You know, you've got the 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 sleek hair. No, the... they're not similar. I don't... no, no, not no, at no. All. I think no, girls... I think uh, no, I think they have a lot of sim- like a lot of they echo they a lot have of sex the same elements, but they're not red lip eyeliner, the hair. Mm. I think I think that they share a lot. I don't think they're the same. Okay. But, but I do that's think that's what Sam's saying. Like, what a similar kind of yeah. Yeah. that like, do, like I think they, yeah, yeah. Time. I think they yeah. share elements. I also think you've got so you've got pinup girls in the sort of like like it's like sexy, but you've also got that fifties hairspray silhouette that's also quite iconic. The Christian Dior new new look. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. The nineteen fifty two shape. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's that, so around that those two, but they're quite you know. They're similar, and then um, the other one that I would think is um, mods like Twiggy. But mods mm. applies to both genders, in my opinion. Yes, mm. but I think if we're specifically talking like... about women, I think uh, women. I think the um, the the Twiggy look, the the black and white with the go go boots and everything in the short. Yeah, hair. and the and the big eyelashes. Yes, but yeah, I key think... point in all of these is eyeliner. I I I of make course. Up. Yeah, of the ones we've spoken about though. Very, f- neither of flapper and pinup girl have a term for the female. Yes. Term whereas mod, yes, I understand. No, you know, I when you say agree. mod, yes, but it but it is not a gendered term. No, you're mm. quite right. Um, yeah. And also, when I say when someone says mod to me, I think of um, Scooter's many many mirrors, uh, Vince Noir haircut. Mm. I think of the men. I just think twee. If you say Susie, uh, Susie Quattro, I think of. The dresses, oh. yeah, but I, I it's yeah. an excellent point. Yeah. But pinup girls is is the yeah. other one, is the iconic. Alex, did you have any others? Well, I kind of when I think of the movement of women, I think of eighties and kind of like power dressing. Power dressing. Yes. yes, so like you know, and it paints a picture the, very much of baby. like you know, like um, shoulder pads and women in business and kind of taking on that kind of more masculine typical masculine uh dress but also in business and everything but making it their own and very yeah. feminine yeah um so that that's my automatic. big shoulders nipped in waist yeah skinny legs yeah. and sure of who they are and what they want the other one i think of is the riot girl movement of the 90s yes definitely um, what's what's the other one aesthetic yeah is the other thing i think of but interestingly we've all gone for aesthetic we don't go for like um, no, no, because like uh, what, it's all tied, in, it's tied, tied into other with, things. Like, work. Yes. Um, but when the... we describe that woman, we describe the way they look. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Um, but because it was all kind of, it was made to be mainstream popular through like magazines and stuff. Mm. That's also the way that history fashion. is sold to ladies. Yeah, is through fashion, because no woman in history ever did anything interesting except wear clothes or not wear clothes. Yep. So I feel like we've talked quite a lot. Like shocking. we've talked about <laughs> shocking. I know we've talked a lot about flappers. But before we have any um, closing thoughts about whether we think 
flap her as a feminist movement or anything. Before we get to that, does anyone have any key quotes or phrases or anything from any of the TV shows or the books that we read or watch in preparation for this episode? Because I think that that might be quite helpful. In terms of actual verbatim quotes, no. Um, I, over the past five, six years, have read a lot of books about the 20s, a lot of books about these kind of women and and men as well, you know, people living in this in this time. And I think the main thing that I enjoy about flappers is they are the first women in history that it's it's hard to describe, but like I I find them relatable in a way in which they were allowed to be relatable. Like, if I read about women before this who I was like, yeah, fuck it, she's great, she's brilliant, Mm. they were always a rebel and there was some kind of... There was someone else to get them. And there was someone else to get flappers as well. I'm not saying that they were completely accepted. I'm not saying that at all. But it's almost like the first time that it felt like this kind of fuck you attitude for women... Mm was valid mm. and I think that's what I love about I it. think mm. relatable is a really key word actually that you're saying and real because for us in a modern era when we're reading like kind of Edwardian kind of uh fiction or or any kind of yeah. history books we're like well to us those women again the portrayal that they have if in a history book is only from like a ma- like a man that is writing about her anyway nine times out of ten oh, yeah. um or a kind of male like gaze Figure. yeah um and for the first time these women were able to be really truly themselves i think it was the first time that women were able to do that on this kind of scale yeah. on their, and on their terms not on the on basis of men are all gone but the men are still there. The men are still there, but they've like, and I, I think that's, that's, that's the thing as well. It's the fact that women had this taste of the men are gone. Not not saying they were like, oh, fuck, I hope they never come home. I hope they all die in trenches. That's not the point. No. It's more like, Christ, well, they've, they've gone. We've been fine. We've done all this stuff and now we can continue doing this stuff. And, and I think and that's social what I really boundaries love about it, are broken. Like, we don't yeah. need yeah. it. And, yeah. and we lived and were happy yeah. without them. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, women were fine. I had two quotes, which they kind of relate, actually. So the first was, so these are both both from, sorry, Therese Ann Fowler's A Novel of Zelda Fitzgerald. The first was, um, even now when we haven't shared an address in six years, when he's probably shining his light on some adoring girl who surely thinks she has saved him, we're both telling it true. And the other was, um, this wasn't a problem in itself because in most ways what he said was actually true. I didn't actually want an acting career and I did actually want to have a baby. I just resented Scott manipulating my life. Both of those I thought were interesting because they talk about truth Mm -hmm. and like what she wanted versus Mm -hmm. what was happening and like the difference between and how she in this novelization to the last felt like they were true to each other. Yeah. Which I thought was really interesting because like so much of 
flapperism and what we think about the 1920s is like glamour and falsity like mm-hmm. like putting on a show and both these things seem to be about um like being true to what it is that you actually want but i also thought they were both interesting because they were both around um the control that the man still had yeah and i thought particularly the whole like shining his light on someone else who surely thinks she saved him because i mean how many people have you been or have you known <laughs> I can gone, change him. I can yeah. change him. Like, no, I swear yeah. it's different this time. And I've literally done this with, like, bosses. Yeah. And yeah. boyfriends. And and it's just, it's, it's, you, it goes back to that, like, relatableness. But in a kind of sad way in that, the, I guess it identifies why I didn't like, or so far have not liked this book, is because it's, it takes away Zelda's agency. It makes her too much about Scott. Whereas I feel like Saving the Worlds was very much about her and what she wanted. But then it was wish fulfillment, so there you go. So, Do you know much about the context in which um, uh, her, her novel was published, Saving the Worlds? Uh, not off the top of my head. Okay. After so, two so bottles she, of wine. So she wrote the book, um, sent it to uh, her. Um, she was in a, a mental institution at the time. I'm using it again, not in the way, in the PC term, it's what it's referred to in, in literary literature about her life. Um, and her therapist, counsellor, whatever, was very encouraging. Um, she sent it to her publisher. She then shared it with um, Scott. I'll just call him Scott because it's easier. Um, and he went, no, because he was already writing a novel that was based on mm. similar autobiographical yeah. events. I knew that part. And yeah, definitely. he edited it heavily until he would let her publish it. So what is published is not her first draft. No, and I think that the version that I wrote, like, yeah, but it's been lost to time. Is we the version I wrote has amendments to that effect and a a preface to that effect. So given that conversation that we've just had and the way we felt, how do we feel like flapperism (laughs) paved the way and partnered with feminism? Because in the book that I have been reading, you know that we've just been talking about she she so far acknowledges feminism and makes a joke of it actually she you know like wouldn't it be hilarious if i stood up and made a toast at this party of this famous feminist because i while i don't disagree with this like i feel like they're so dour and blah 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 the same kind of criticisms criticisms that i think that feminism still gets now and still got in the 70s so how do we feel like it relates in that history i feel that at this point in time because the concept of women's equality in any sense was so new was so kind of tentative even with the vote there was still a lot more to go like having a vote is not like yes it was a massive massive step for women um whether in the US or the UK or other places, um, it was so tentative that it it didn't it wasn't definitive of, of the st- of what was going to happen afterwards, and I think because of that flapperism, as we're calling it, mm-hmm. was very selfish because because it felt if eph- um, ephemeral, it felt. Uh, momentary fleeting. and because fleeting and because of what had gone before it with the war with spanish flu with this kind of like life has to be lived for the moment i don't think there was any kind of 
forward thinking long view of like this is a move towards not saying there wasn't any but you know like no, I no, think I know the people that we're talking about in one way you can be like yeah fucking feminists they're doing their thing they're doing a the thing and I but also I don't know that all of them were doing it for a bigger cause some of them yes definitely were everybody I do think you're totally right that there was a kind of thought grasp that this it by was the moment fleeting. don't don't yeah. look to the long term. But I think that was indicative of the 20s generally. Yeah, of course. And it was because they lived in a moment that was post-war that was like, life isn't forever, fucking hell. Like, we just yeah. need to do it and yeah. live for now. There was almost a desperation to the 20s, yeah. I feel. There was a desperation, which is why the women were like, fast forward, fast forward, like, let's do all of this. Yeah. But and that then did why... cause a ripple of time. And then in the... I was going to say, I like to think that the reason that you know, you've just identified the sort of desperation in the world is ending feeling of the World War One spawning out nineteen twenties is much the reason why we had a uh, flapper party in two thousand sixteen when the Brexit vote went through. Yeah. Yep, we did. Um, which Instagram photos will be posted. <laughs> uh you're welcome. With her bando. Her bando <laughs> Gosh, was it 2016? It was 2016. It was 24th of June 2016. What? Because that was when my birthday party was. And it's only just, unfortunately. It's a great picture. Come to. Let's just all take a lovely ahead to appreciate. It was a beautiful picture. picture. Look at us. Look how great we are. Look how tanned you are. Compared to the rest of us pasty cunts. Why am I so tanned? You've probably been on holiday. It was June. Yeah, because you just look at the sun and you're like, brown now! And the rest of us are like, mm, four years. I'm going to be, I'm going to come from Australia, this colour. Just slightly <laughs> browner than I am there. Oh, entirely a broken arm. Yep. Hair bundle. I borrowed that dress from someone. I gave I found a uh, I found a bunch of my cards and it was not a fucking twenties dress, that dress. It was a lovely dress, but it wasn't twenties. And it was, it was only like you would have a birthday in a gin bar. Um, it had no fringing, it had no anything. It was from a nineteen twenties. Mine's great, still have it, mum wore it. It's great. I did buy a tassel dress from eBay, mm. but it looked fucking awful. But this is like I if can't I get could on get board a, with the flapper fashion for I myself need to find thing because we've got it. chubbier limbs. <laughs> we are waist. Yeah. I need to Oops, find a way to get away with yeah. this dress and so flapper to, is to cover fucks. all of that yeah. is just not yeah. going to work. No, 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 no. I need to find a way to get away with this dress at weddings because it's perfect for everything. What do you mean get away with it? Wear it at weddings? That's how you get away with it? No, but it's not quite appropriate for weddings. Oh, fuck off. Who cares? My mum. Is your mum at all the weddings you go to? Both of the wedding, well, two of the Are you gonna weddings live I'm going for to your mum's approval for the rest of your life? Yeah, probably. That's upsetting. I haven't got any weddings this year. I've got three. I haven't had either. So there's probably a lot more we could talk about with flappers and the 20s generally and the attitudes to women, but I think that brings us to a good point to stop for the evening. So before we go, we don't really have a book or a topic. We've read books, we've watched things, but none of us have done the same thing. So let's just talk about the wines that we've drunk tonight. So let's start with the first Prohibition wine we had. Yeah, so that was the Speakeasy Club Prohibition Pinot Gris. Um, that is the whitey pinky wine. The meaty wine. It was super meaty. The bacon wine. Um, wine. Which, for, for, you know, to refresh everyone's memories. Don't read the whole thing. 
complex textural and slightly savoury <laughs> pinot gris with aromas of pears, lychees and exotic spice. I got no pears, no lychees and no exotic spice. No, but I did, did get, get I did get slightly savoury. Yeah, I got savoury, I got bacon, I got smoke. Like vermouth but with more wine. No, because vermouth makes me want to stab a man. <laughs> it's awful, isn't it? How did you feel it paired with the topic? How did you rate it? I re- have to say, like, it was a weird one. I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, pairing for the topic wise, I mean, you'll see this on Instagram, but the 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 wine labels on these drinks, they're great. and the description of these drinks were perfect. Duh. Weird that they come from Australia, a place where prohibition was not a thing. But they were they were really like I I definitely thought that the white it felt it felt like something I would drink in an underground bar. It definitely did. And I, partially because it's white wine and I think I would only drink white wine out of desperation in a bar. In an underground bar. But there you go. From a man's jacket. Want to buy a wine? <laughs> so yeah, so I thought it paired really well. I thought that it tasted interesting. I'd Me probably too. give it like a 2.5. Okay. Oh, that's quite low. Like, well, no, I With think it's... It's a white like, wine though, it's Kim. It's oh, yeah, slap true. bang in the that middle. And I, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. I just... It, was good. If someone said, what's a white wine taste like? You wouldn't say that, would you? No, but white wine tastes like shit to me. So I think Should like I rated white wine higher because I've really enjoyed it. I didn't necessarily enjoy this massively, but I didn't hate it. I think I just, I appreciated it. Okay. Um. Yeah, I, it was, it was like you say, interesting. We say this word so much on this podcast. It was interesting because it did not taste like wine I normally have, especially not white wine. Yeah, it was not like a wine that I've tried before, particularly a white. Um, I think, like I said, it felt like wine made by someone who hadn't had white wine. Mm-hmm. Um, which is not to say it was unpleasant. It just, it just wasn't. If I want a white wine, that's not what I'm going to go for. Yeah. So I will give it... I think I might have to go 2.5 just Mm. because it wasn't white wine. What did you think of the red? No, I went first last time, so you all tend to get It was very good red. Um, I am fucked. (laughs) Um, I'm very, very drunk, which was... Which only happened after we had the red. Um, what percentage is the red? Uh, red. <laughs> Don't know, dropped it. Oh no! Oh, I thought, okay, very good. Uh, 14.5. That's quite strong. Oh, that's quite strong. The white was... Oh dear. 13.5. See, this is only 11. Well, no which is why, we're fucked. Which is why I'm less drunk than you guys. Yeah, that'll do it. It was... Chunky, meaty. It didn't have the weird crayon taste that a lot of the reds that we've had on this podcast recently have had. Um, it had the thicker taste that I really like, or the thicker feel. Um, bit plummy, mm. bit little bit chocolatey, but not too much. Mm. So I'm going to go for a three. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely like quite. It's rich, rich, yeah. rich is definitely the word, yeah. and I don't necessarily think it paired well mm. like i think what we've identified is that yeah it's an after wine this is a mellow wine yeah this is not celebrate this is not party wine party the night away wine mm. like this is you have the bottle you're fucked you go home yeah mm-hmm. so um for again for reference uh rich fruity vibrant characters 
It exudes complexity with delicious hints of blackberry, dark cherry, and plum. Aging in French oak adds elegant caramel and spicy vanilla flavours. I definitely think it has all of that. Yeah. The thing is that all of that, to me, adds up to a really good Shiraz. So I'm quite surprised by what it yeah, is. Yeah, it did not feel like a Cab Sab. does not feel like... If I no. picked up a, if I were picking up a Cab Sab, when I pick up a Cab Sab in a shop, I'm normally going with, this is the one that's not going to give me heartburn. I think I'm also going to give it a 3. I think I could give it a 3.5. I'm going to give it 3.5 because I know how much it costs. Okay. Would you like to know how much it costs? Yes, tell us how much. So, both the Speakeasy wines uh-huh. from The Pip Stop, which is an online shopping thing. Um, I bought both of these off of The Pip Stop online, uh, each for seven ninety nine. Oh, fuck off. Really? Eight quid? Okay, right, right. Um, right, right. It's life has changed. It's I would, I would rate it? the white higher. I think I'd keep the red the same. I think I'd go with both as a three if I'd known that. Both of this, both as a three. Both as a See, three. I was giving it a three, knowing that it was a seven ninety nine and a two point five, knowing that it was seven ninety nine. What about shiny glossy gold, gold, shiny boy? Um. So what I really like is the fact that it says style, sparkling, crisp, and elegant. Taste: white peach, citrus, apple. I think that pretty much represents it. They don't fuck around at MS. They do not fuck no. around. I also enjoy the fact that it says serve well chilled, consume while young and fresh. And in my head, that's consume whilst you're young and fresh. <laughs> Are you young and fresh? <laughs> I am not right now, but like, I feel like if I was a flapper, I might be. Um, I think it paired extremely well with the topic, both yeah. visually and taste wise. Um, I don't think it's like your guy's wine that is like, end of the night, I'm bollocked, I need to go home. I'm so bollocked. It's it's kind of like, I can party the night away. So I'm going to give it, definitely drink again. For like, I wouldn't drink Prosecco in like, I'm going to the pub for my chips. Usually. <laughs> chips, yeah. Usually. Cash out chips. I'm going to give it a three. Three? Mm-hmm. Maybe and, oh three point five. I'm gonna give it three point five. <gasps> and how much did it cost, Kim? Normally, it would be fifteen pounds. Well, we got it on special offer for ten pounds. <gasps> Definitely drink again. Boom boom. I think thank you, friend 5, of the podcast. I think three point five is still good. But even better, I will buy two bottles rather than one if I went to a party. Whoa! Excellent. So that brings us to the end of the show this week. But if you'd like to follow us on social media, we're over on Twitter at Grape Culture Pod. We're on Instagram at Grape Culture Podcast. Or you can go to our website, www.grapeculturepodcast.co.uk. If you've enjoyed tonight's show, we don't forget to give us a rating and uh, leave us a review if you're listening on an Apple device, because we'd love to know what you think. And join us again in two weeks where we're going to be talking about... What are we talking about, Kim? You know. Women in comics. Comicy women. Yes. Very excited about that. Yes. Maybe we should dress up. Maybe we'll dress up. I will post some <laughs> hilarious pictures of me dressed as Robin from 2009, if you like. Wonderful. Follow us on social media to see those. <laughs> or come back in two weeks to listen to us talking about Kim dressing up as Robin. In the meantime, thank you for listening. Have a lovely time and we'll see you again soon. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.